0: This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Well, good morning, Bridgeway. It is great to see you here today. I want to add my words of welcome. I'm Pastor Ron. If you're new or visiting with us on this Labor Day weekend, and I'm really excited you're here. I know it's a three-day, maybe even a four-day weekend for many of you, and I couldn't be more thrilled that you chose to be here with us this morning, I do hope you get to enjoy, oh, God has just given us some beautiful weather this weekend, and so enjoy your cookouts and parades and maybe some family time. It's just good to be together. In fact, um, I'll tell you a little bit about where we're going. In fact, this morning, uh, we're going to start, if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 2 and then... I promise you, it's going to be kind of a, a track meet this morning. We're going to go through a lot of scripture, and I've got some stuff that I'm really eager to share with you. I'm also excited that it's uh, family style this morning, because I think uh, what God wants to teach us is good for, for all of us at every age and stage of life. Let me tell you a little bit about kind of where we're going. In fact, not just today, but this fall, uh, we've kind of camped out in this series called Transform. This is all part of our 10-year vision as a church, as a leadership. Uh, we really, like, really want to be deliberate and aim this in the direction of your spiritual growth. And it looks a lot like the things you hear us talking about uh, these days. Things like discipleship, things like serving together, things like doing this, being together as a family. And uh, the part I think is going to be new for us is in what I really hope to get across in this series is this element of of caring for your soul, kind of caring for this part of your body that's so important. Turns out that the way in which you transform, the way in which you grow the most, actually happens through the experiences that you like the least. And that's where these four words come into play. You actually grow the most when you experience things that you don't like, things like the time when you have to risk yourself? When was the last time you risked yourself for Jesus? And maybe it went really well, maybe you fell flat on your face, and in that was a moment of growth for you. Maybe it was a period of a pain in your life, and you didn't like going through that pain, but God used that to not break you, but to make you into a better person, more like his son Jesus. Works the same way with tension. You've got tension probably waiting for you, Tuesday morning when you get back to work or when you go back to school or when you go through your neighborhood, there's tensions that you have to navigate. You've got your tribe. Your tribe is the people that you travel with. And, and let's be honest, sometimes it's great to have people who are encouraging and loving, but that's not always the people God places around us. And maybe it's those difficult moments and difficult people in your life that God uses to grow you the most i got to be honest with you, I could really just tell you this morning that this is why I love Jesus. In fact, uh, since a young age, I, I marveled at the fact that Jesus navigated all of these incredibly difficult moments in his life uh, with such grace. In fact, if you look at the life of Jesus, he, he, he wasn't a Hollywood actor, he wasn't a plastic Ken doll, I mean, he was a, a real human being, a real man, and he experienced all of these things. I mean, every time... Jesus opened his mouth. He was taking a great risk. He was standing up to religious leaders. He was standing up to political opposition. Uh, I mean, talk about pain. Jesus lived in excruciating pain, right? Like from the cross kind of pain. He had tension. In fact, think of the tension of a life where you didn't have a regular nine-to-five job. I mean, Jesus was a traveling preacher. I mean, that didn't pay very well. He couch surfed for three years. He had tension every day of his life. And Jesus had a tribe. In fact, he had had 12 disciples. But think of those 12 disciples. One denied him. One betrayed him. All of them abandoned him. And yet, he navigated these very difficult moments. Life in the real world. And I think that's what we face every single day. In fact, a few weeks ago, we looked at this verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And it says, it's a command. As much as any other command in Scripture, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I believe this is the tension, this is the struggle every one of us face every single day. How do we go through life and not conform to the pattern of the world, but instead to be transformed? How do we live in the world, but not be transformed? of the world this is the real difficult moments in life in fact you probably face them without even realizing it how do i go through my day how do i go to work with people who are more worldly they don't uphold the same standards they're more they're less ethical than i am how do i go to school or in other places where people believe differently They have different thoughts about gender and sexuality. There's divides across political lines, across social lines. And how do I be different? How do I be the way in which God has called me to live? And we looked at how this is only getting more challenging in our world today. In fact, one of the things I see so often is that people claim to be Christian, but they don't live any way that looks like Jesus. And so it takes more than just saying you're a Christian. It takes more than just maybe saying a verse or two. Your life actually has to look different. One that doesn't look like it's conforming, but is transformed. And I left you here a couple weeks ago, and I wanted to pick up this morning because I gave you the command, do not conform, thou shalt not conform, but I didn't tell you how to be transformed. And it actually has to do with this last part of the phrase, this renewing of your mind. In fact, that's the title of my message today, Renew Your Mind. And as I said, I'm glad that families are here. I'm glad kids, students, high school, middle school, grade school are all here this morning because I really wish this was the sort of stuff that I learned when I was younger. How to, maybe not, I wouldn't have probably put it in the words of renewing my mind, but how do I get control of my thoughts? Right? How how do I harness all these things that are stirring up inside of my brain, and then what do I do with them? So I thought we would just talk about it this weekend. In fact, uh, I kind of want to just spend some time doing a little bit of a a brain check, right? This is going to be kind of a a little bit of a checkup from the neck up for us here at Bridgeway. And for the minutes that I have here, I want us to just begin to think about what we're thinking about. I don't think we spend nearly enough time examining and really questioning where our thoughts are coming from. Um, I don't know if you realize this or not but your mind is the greatest asset that God's given you. Some of you're like no way. No way. Like my greatest asset is my good looks or my or my physical being, you know? And and greater than your physicality is truly your mentality, your mind. God has given you a literally a beautiful mind. You have the in your brain, you have some 100 billion neurons. I-, I was researching the brain this week. It's fascinating. Do you know that you can actually, you're not like a one-thought kind of person. You can actually capture some 800 memories every second. Now, you can't recall them all at the same time, but you're capturing some 800 memories every single second. Your brain is pretty good at recalling those memories, um, Up till about the age 75, right? And then uh, our brain gets to where there's a little bit of slippage, a little bit of forgetfulness, sometimes a little earlier for some, maybe a little later for others, but that's about the capacity of the brain. One of the most fascinating things, though, is the way in which your, your brain can grow. In fact, um, your brain is actually malleable, meaning you can, you can continue to impress on it new ideas, new behaviors. Uh, scientists call it the neuroplasticity of your brain. It just simply means that you can, you can kind of form new grooves in that gray matter and well into your later years of life. But I haven't even told you the best part about your mind. And the best part about your mind is that you can use it to communicate with God. And I think this is the real trick to renewing your mind, is remembering that you can always communicate with God. You're so different from, I don't know, any other animal. You're different from an animal in the woods. You're not just urges and appetites. You're actually given this capacity to commune with your heavenly Father, your maker. And that's where I think it becomes important, because that's where this idea of your mind... And these experiences of pain and risk and tension, they become so intertwined. In fact, they become kind of ingrained. Your experiences are what you recall in those heat of the moment kind of situations. And until you begin to harness and work through your pain and your risk and your tension and trouble, you'll always struggle with your mind. I like to think of this morning as maybe a little bit of like deep cleaning in your mind. Um... I'll try to relate it to you this way. Uh, I live um, just outside of town, and so I'm not on, like, city water and sewer. I'm on a septic system. How many of you are on a septic tank sewer system, right? So you're going to know where this is going really quickly because I hadn't emptied my septic tanks out in a few years. So let's just say it was time to empty out the septic tanks. Okay, kids in the room, this is how it works. When you go to the bathroom and you flush your toilet... All of that has to go somewhere. And in a home septic system, it goes out into two tanks behind your house, big tanks, 750 gallons. And the way it works, it's, well, your parents can explain it to you, it's chemistry, right? Like the solids break down and then they become more liquid and then the particulates go out into the drain field behind your home. But you're still left with this sludge of human waste in these tanks, I don't know how else to put it to you. And so you gotta get it cleaned out and and here's the deal, if you, uh, if you want to shave about 100 bucks off your bill, uh, you get out a shovel, and they'll tell you, if you uncover those covers to your septic tanks, they'll do it a little cheaper for you. So I got out my shovel, because the person was coming on Monday, and, and I, I literally got about two shovels in, all of a sudden I'm like, honey, do you smell that? <laughs> oh, yeah, I smell that. It was rank. And I got down a few more shovels, and I had noticed that the ground had kind of changed color where the cover of my septic tank is there was this leaking toxicity from the ground, right? I mean, how would you like to do that job every day? Let's just, thank you, Lord Jesus, right? You know, I like, thank you for people who clean out septics. And, and and I got it pumped out and everything was fine. But it reminded me that's the problem with our minds. We get these toxic thoughts that get so embedded that if we don't get them out, we will carry them into every other relationship. We will pollute everything around us. I like to call it like stinking thinking. We have these stinking thoughts, and we just carry them from one to the next. So I want to give you some ways in which you can renew your mind, clean out that toxicity. And the first way, I'm gonna give you the first point this morning. If you want to renew your mind, it starts with this principle. I can change my situation by redirecting My mind. This is, again, the capacity, the power of your mind. You can think of it another way. Your mind will eat what you feed it, right? And so if you continue to feed your mind negative, toxic thoughts of bitterness or even thoughts of worry or thoughts of anxiousness, your mind will continue to go down that path for as long as you'll let it. In fact, let me give you a verse. You might want to write this one down. You can take a picture of this one on the screen. Um, It's Psalm 139, verse 23. This is powerful. This is about redirecting your mind. The psalmist writes, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Now, if you were here last week, uh, Pastor Mike uh, did a great job teaching about um, David, King David, and David's mighty men, the people he'd put around him in his life. And if you remember from that message, David was being hunted, chased, by another king, King Saul. And even though he had some powerful warriors around him, it didn't prevent King David from actually having some pretty downward, spiraling, deep thoughts. And that's where he finds himself in Psalm 139, is he's at a point where he's just stuck. He doesn't know what to do. In fact, you can see his thoughts are quite anxious towards his situation. And he does something beautiful here. He actually begins to turn his thoughts around. Instead of dwelling on his anxiety, he says, search me, God. God, I I don't know what to do in this situation, but you created me. You know me. You know my heart. So test me. And by the way of doing this, help me to navigate all of this fear and uncertainty in my life. I don't know what to do, God, but I'm trusting that you do. Now, I, I think it'd be a huge miss to not kind of focus in on a word that we hear so often today, and we see it traces all the way back to David, and it's this idea of anxious thoughts. In fact, um, as I continue to kind of just care about mental health and and the care of people, I I see this issue, this rampant rise of of all mental uh, issues, but especially, number one on the list, is the issue of anxiety. In fact, I was doing some research this week. I was reading up on emerging adults emerging adults would be about the ages of 18 to 25 maybe 29 kind of on the upper end but in this age group there has been such a dramatic increase in all mental health issues that uh, honestly um, clinicians are unsure of what to do they're unsure of how it started and they don't exactly know how uh, to help in fact i i think there's some really clear principles in scripture which i'll get to but Uh, This report shared that of 18 to 25, some 38% of emerging adults reported a struggle with their mental health. Number one on the list was anxiety, and then it worked down the line. Depression, isolation, thoughts of despair, self-harm. And so many examples of this and so many concerns. In fact, the uh, the only correlation that I've seen that's that's to me helpful is um, the year 2012. Because when they chart these things, they look at 2012 as a big turning point because in 2012, in the United States, it was the tipping point where more than 50% of Americans had two things. They had a cell phone and they had a social media account. And that began the rise of all of these issues around isolation and fear of missing out. In fact, um, these issues continue to play out in so many ways. In fact, I I couldn't really pick just one. There were so many examples in her day. I'll show you a few. The first is Selena Gomez, who she's been a performer, a dancer, and a singer since the age of five years old. She just recently, last year, released her documentary on Apple TV titled, My Mind and Me. And in this documentary, she spoke very openly about her struggles with depression and the constant pressure of having to perform. Another pop icon of our day, Billie Eilish, sat down recently with Zane Lowe. He's with Apple Music. If you ever want to know anything about music, Zane Lowe is the guy. He knows everything. And he got Billie Eilish to actually open up about why her lyrics are so dark and so depressing. And she said in this interview that, that these lyrics are how I work out my constant struggle With mental health. And then last, um, probably one that I'm most encouraged by is Simone Biles, probably probably the greatest gymnast ever. And uh, she was literally torn apart three years ago in the Tokyo Olympics when she stepped away in the middle of the competition for mental health reasons. And the press and her competitors just literally tore her, ridiculed her, and tore her to pieces. And I saw that just I think it was two weeks ago, she just returned to competition. So, a redemptive story. I think we live in an age where I could go on and on, and it would be easy to see that we live in an age of unprecedented mental concerns. And while I stand up here this morning with no intention of minimizing any of those concerns, actually, I stand up here as a pastor caring about people in their distress, I think it would be amiss to not point to the solution. And the solution is, is very different from the world. Again, remember, we're reminded, don't conform to the world. The world standards will not work. It won't work with mental health either. But instead, we need to be transformed. And so instead of turning away from God, we actually need to turn towards God. And the Bible actually shows us that these concerns of anxiety or depression or mental health go all the way back to the beginning. In fact, uh, we get a guy in the Bible that struggled deeply with his mental health And it was a guy named Jonah. In fact, if you don't know the story of Jonah, Jonah is probably the greatest story in the Bible of, of just turning your back on God. Like, God says one thing and you do the other. That was Jonah. That was kind of how he lived. God said, go to Nineveh. I want you to preach to my people. And Jonah got on a boat and went 180 degrees the other direction. Miles and miles off course. Literally, on a boat He's a stowaway. He's down in the bottom of the boat. God says, I'll get his attention. And he whips up a big storm. Sailors on the boat are like, this is a storm that we've, we've seen nothing like before. Maybe it has to do with that guy that got on our boat, that stowaway. So they get Jonah. They bring him up to the top of the deck. And they said, what have you done? And Jonah confesses, I sinned. I'm disobeying God. And the sailors do what sailors do. They throw him overboard, right? Like, Good luck. It should be his sure and certain death, but God has this other plan, and it's a plan of redemption and restoration. And by a miraculous way, in a true story, Jonah is swallowed by a giant fish. Might be a whale. Text doesn't say that. Might be a whale. And here's how you know his mental condition. Because the text tells us that Jonah was in the belly of a whale for three days. And on the third day... He finally prays to God. In fact, look at his prayer. He says, When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. I mean, how messed up is your brain if it takes you three days in the belly of a fish, right? You're floating around with a tire and a can and a dead fish, and you're like, Ah, the Lord, right? When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. This is the trick. This is the way we turn our mind to God. We can turn our thoughts, we can change our direction. In fact, it changes Jonah's direction because we see in the very next scene that Jonah's actually spit up by the fish. Like literally the Hebrew language, this is why I love the Bible, the Hebrew language says that Jonah was vomited up onto dry land. Kids, you can talk about that uh, with your parents this afternoon. Vomited up onto dry land. And it was all because he changed his situation By redirecting his mind. That's the first point. Let me give you the second principle about renewing your mind. And you have to understand this. Every time I sin, I'm believing a lie. Every sin is connected to a lie. And maybe this is the, call it the dark side of your mind. Because this actually shows you that your mind will lead towards a certain pattern of habits and actions that you take part in. Um, There's kind of this famous line, you know, "I, I think, therefore I am. I think that's Descartes. It really would be better to say, I think, therefore I do. Because all of our thoughts get played out into the actions of everyday life. And your mind is constantly processing the place that you're in. And here's the trick. You can write on your mind. God can write on your mind. But the dark side is other people can write on your mind. The world can write on your mind. And the enemy can write on your mind. In fact, check these words out from Paul in Romans chapter 7. He says this. He says, Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind. Uh, old book, uh, great author, great preacher by the name of Joyce Meyer, put out a book a number of years ago, years ago called The Battlefield of the Mind, And I remember reading that, and it's still so true today. I mean, this is about the closest you get to kind of that that angel that's on one side of your shoulder, the good angel, and then that angel on the other side of the shoulder, that's kind of your bad angel. And he said, that's what's waging in my mind, right? There's one telling me to do good, but I see this other law, and it's powerful. It's at work within me. It's waging war against me. Give the cookie to your wife. No, eat the cookie yourself, right? Like." constantly being played out. That's sin. Every sin is a lie. I mean, gluttony is just basically the sin that says, I need this. And lust is the sin, I deserve this. And pride is the sin, I am all this. And until you begin to understand the lie, the narrative that's going on, until you understand it, you will always be fooled. You could pick... Any sin, and behind it is the lie. In fact, I think that the sin, the lie, is just the tip of the iceberg because sin will always take you farther than you ever intended to go and it will keep you there way longer than you ever wanted to be. So, let's kind of look at what happens when this gets played out. In fact, I think the way this works is, is really devious of the enemy. And we're told to, to be aware of the enemy's schemes. And I, I think it kind of works like, like this. It kind of works like this python. Check this guy out. This isn't just any python. This is the Burmese python. Be glad they're not in our area. The Burmese python will grow up to 19 feet long and weigh about 32 pounds. That's pretty big. That's pretty ferocious. But not when you think of what this python is capable of. A python can take down a 35, 40-pound deer. No problem at all. You're wondering... How does a python take down a deer? Well, very carefully. It's got this incredible plan. First of all, the python starves itself for over a month. I mean, it will make itself so hungry that it knows its one goal is to capture its prey. And then it will straighten itself out. You see it all coiled here? Not when it's ready to eat. It'll lengthen itself out, and it's sizing up its victim. Am I big enough? Can I take this thing down? And then when the prey is least expecting it, it attacks and it swallows its victim whole. i got to tell you, friends, this is the way in which the enemy works. It starves itself in order to get you to buy the lie. And then it swallows your thoughts whole. And so I want to help you this morning kind of get away from this enemy. And, and I want to get on the solution side of how to deal with these thoughts, these lies of the enemy. And there's really only one way in order to defeat the lies you have to replace them with the truth. In order to do that, I would simply say you need to meditate and memorize Scripture. M&M, meditate and memorize Scripture. I like to do these two kind of separately, kind of uh, on their own. In fact, meditating Scripture is just sort of the idea of I'm going to read through Scripture with no intent of, of getting through it, but allowing the Scripture to get through me. And meditating, I think, takes a little more time. You have to maybe get up a little early, got to stay up a little bit later. You got to carve out some time throughout the day. And you got to allow a lot of God's scripture to sort of become a part of who you are. Um, I'm a really big fan of, uh, of reading the Bible kind of like in its whole, like from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation. And uh, I'll tell you, I've been reading through uh, the Bible this year, and I've just so enjoyed it, because you can read this large chunk of Scripture, five, six chapters at a time. You can begin to understand the whole story that God has for you. I I would tell you, I challenge you, if you've never read the Bible cover to cover, um, do it. In fact, don't wait till January 1. Uh, You don't got to wait for a New Year's resolution. You could start September 3. You know, I'm going to read through the Bible starting, starting today, and if you need help finding a Bible reading plan, uh, you can go on YouVersion, the Bible app, you can see me after the service, or Pastor Mike, we would love to help you do that. Meditating is kind of like lots of scripture, but I also like to memorize scripture, and memorizing scripture is usually done in Well, smaller chunks of scripture. It tends to be a little bit more uh, bite sized when you can memorize maybe something a little bit smaller. In fact, this entire sermon was sort of kind of put together around the idea of giving you some scripture that would be easy for you to take today and memorize. You could take any of the scripture I use today, you could write it on a little note card, and you could carry it around in your pocket. That's what I do, that's what I've done for years. Um, verses like Romans 12, verse 2, that isn't the first time I've read that, you know, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The verse goes on to say, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I don't recite that as like to show off, that's just a part of how the scripture has become a part of my life, so I can know the truth and defeat the lies. You could take a, you could take a psalm or a proverb, you could take my life verb, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You could take Colossians three twenty three. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. You could take any of these. You could take Jonah 2, 7, you know? Maybe that becomes your life verse this morning. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. You just take that scripture and you just have that become a part of your life until it's just so integral that the lie has no place to form in your mind. Let me give you my last thought. Final way in which you can renew your mind is you can very simply, you can choose to think like Jesus. In fact, I want you to say that with me this morning. Say this with me. I can choose to think like Jesus. Okay, we're going to do that again. Kids, can you show your parents how to do this. Say this with me one more time. I can choose to think like Jesus. And this is really a choice because we're told that Jesus is the master and you can be his protege. He is the teacher and you can be the student and you can choose to think like Jesus. This is entirely possible. When you look at Jesus, he is the greatest example of health and wholeness and of sound mind. In fact, you can have the mind of Christ, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of Christ. And so as Eli and the team come up to lead us here in this time, I just want to give you an opportunity to just set your minds, to renew your minds in Christ Jesus. Maybe it helps to think of, of thoughts above. You got kind of an option this morning to think of heaven and to bring those thoughts down. That would be my hope. If you would bow your heads and pray with me, please. God, I want to thank you that you've given us these minds, these minds that are so powerful and so wonderful, and yet they are entirely able to be written on by you. And so, God, I pray that in this moment, it would be a deep moment for every person here to just allow you to write your love and your grace and your message of forgiveness into each one of our minds. God, I thank you that we can have, have this mental health and this self-care God, I'm reminded of your scripture where you promise you don't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so I just pray for these people, for my friends here this morning, God, that you would empower us, starting in our minds, to move into all the places of your world that so desperately need the peace and the love that only you offer. God, we're gonna give you all of our minds and all of our bodies, and we call that worship this morning. So we thank you and we praise you, and we lift your name up amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the sermon discussion guide.